Welcome to Whenever Worship with Washington Farm United Methodist Church. Our daily life can make it hard to connect with God at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Whenever Worship helps you connect whenever you can, wherever life takes you with patterns of prayer, reflection, and conversation that will help you lift your heart up in all of the ways that we live out our lives as people of a living faith in a living God. And he, the angel Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. You know, I've always been struck in this, these verses from Luke chapter one about the words perplexed and pondered and what they mean in this Christmas story. You see, the NRSV says that Mary was much perplexed. The King James Version reads troubled here. The NIV reads greatly troubled. And the NLT says confused and troubled. And in Greek, we get the word diataroxithe. Dia is a preposition that in the prefix intensifies the verb, which here is terasso, which means to be agitated or troubled. This, you see, wasn't a nice, calm Mary who accepted the presence of Gabriel with a, a sweet acquiescence, but, but someone who is deeply disturbed by this visitation. Now, the story goes on to say that she didn't know what to make of what Gabriel was telling her. Again, we get a smattering of translations of the verb dialogosomai. The NRSV says perplexed. The, the NIV says wondered. The, the NLT says confused. And the Greek verb, well, properly, it, it means to go back and forth when thinking about things in, in such a way that typically leads to a confused conclusion where you're, you're not quite sure what you're thinking about anything. I, I think we all get the sense of, of this verb, even if we never really had a word for it before. And, you know, I wonder, I wonder why we've made the decision to translate this story from the fear and confusion and agitation that is that is present in the original Greek and instead cause Mary to ponder, to wonder, or to be anything but serene, dressed in blue, living a contemplative and receptive life. I wonder, I really do wonder if it does something to our faith to not know that the Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, the Christ child, was a, a scared young woman who wasn't sure about this strange visitor telling her that she was going to have a child and that the father wouldn't be her betrothed Joseph, but God's own self. I would hazard a guess that it, that it does do something to our faith. But what it does isn't anything good. When we take away the realness of the Christmas story, uh, well, of any story in the Bible, really, 
instead of connecting us to a God who who literally took on human flesh and and lived our lives, it disconnects us from God, from the, the life of Jesus and, well, ultimately from each other. And here's the thing. In the story of the Annunciation, Mary wasn't the picture of perfect serenity. She she was scared. And it wasn't just that this otherworldly being was appearing to her and greeting her by name. I mean, yes, we have to contend with the fact that if we take Ezekiel's description of angels as real, we're talking about a four-faced being. So, I mean, that's a real thing to be scared of. But, but even as Gabriel tells Mary not to be afraid, he also tells her that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. In the Greek, the verb for come upon can also be translated and sometimes is in the Bible translated as attacks. I mean, it's an intense coming upon, one that leaves the one come upon different. I mean, completely different. And Gabriel doesn't mention anything about Joseph here. Mary is betrothed to a man named Joseph. And yet she's being told that she's going to have a baby who is not Joseph's child and who Joseph will very clearly know is not his child. In the first century, this wasn't an oops moment. This was the kind of thing that got young women killed. If Joseph scorned her and and broke off his engagement to her in a a really public way, then it's likely that her family might put her out too and may even kill her. Mary is literally at the mercy of Joseph, at the mercy of her family, at the mercy of a culture that values honor over everything else. In this moment, Mary is told that, that not only is the entire trajectory of her life changing, but that she must rely on the reactions of others around her in order to not be killed. Gabriel goes on, I mean, he goes on to tell Mary that the power of the Most High will overshadow her. He tells her that God will overwhelm her, that everything she knows about herself is going to change. Imagine hearing that news. I mean, can we imagine hearing that news? I, I, I ask because I sometimes think that we think that we can't. We've separated the story of Mary so much from the way that we experience news of change in our own lives that, that we almost can't put ourselves into this particular story. But at one point or another, I think we've all uttered Mary's question, how can this be? I mean, how can this be? How can this change be happening? How? How can this be? And we find ourselves kicking and screaming and throwing epic temper tantrums all of the way to whatever change has become inevitable, even while God tells us, do not be afraid. (laughs) Don't be afraid don't be afraid. I mean, that's pretty easy for God to say. But any change for us is scary. There are so many unknowns, so many things that we can't control because we just don't know about them yet. Change makes us 
anxious. Change makes us agitated. Change, change makes us uneasy. Just like Mary. And that right there is why I think we've become so disconnected from this, this season that we call Advent. The Christmas story represents an, an incredible change in the course of human history. I mean, it's the inbreaking of God into the events of our lives on the most personal level. Because God becomes a person just like us. And you see, the Christmas story represents a change that's supposed to be happening not just to the world, but to our very selves. You know, it's it's really easy to wish change on other people. If you were to ask anyone right now if they'd like to keep the world just as it is, I mean, just as it is, people are going to look at you like you're crazy, like, like you have four heads. We all want to see the world change. I mean, we might disagree on the form that change should take, but but we want to see a change. We we want other people, for instance, to drive faster on the highway. We want other people to drive more slowly in our neighborhoods. We want people to stand in line better. We want them to move faster through the checkouts during this holiday season. We want other people's children and let's be honest, sometimes our own, to be kinder. We want our spouses to listen better. We want other people all around us to change so that our lives will be better. We forget, though, that when we pray for the world to change, in order for the world to change, we have to change too because we're part of the world. As a Jewish woman in the first century from the backwaters of Nazareth, I bet Mary prayed for the world to change, too. I mean, how could she not? She was from the Palestine equivalent of Appalachia and was a person subject to Roman laws and culture and Jewish laws and customs, and and as a woman, no less. I can't even begin to imagine her prayers. What kind of change would she have liked to see? I think we get a hint of those prayers and her song of praise that she sings to her cousin Elizabeth. In the Magnificat, she sings that God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and and sent the rich away empty. In the Magnificat, we hear the deep longing of her soul for the world to change. But by the time she sings that song, She knows the thing that we so often forget. In order for the world to change, we have to change with it. We have to change too. Like Mary, we've received an annunciation. God didn't proclaim that we'd be Theotokos, the bearer of God, like God did Mary. But but instead, God proclaimed that when we die with Jesus, we are also raised with Jesus. We receive our annunciation at our baptism, but in truth, 
While we don't bear God the way Mary did, we have always been the bearers of the image of God. God proclaimed us as God's, claiming us as God's own from the very beginning. And like Mary, our annunciation changes us, or at least it's supposed to. It's supposed to conform us to the image of God. Now, conform means to shape us, to to mold us, to form us. And I always think about the word conform like a press, squeezing us into the shape of the one whose shape we were always meant to take. And that conformation process isn't particularly comfortable or particularly easy. Like a new horse, we we buck at the bridle, throw off the yoke, and and try to run away from it all. You, You see, we have to actively choose to submit to God's will. We have to let God overshadow us. And and frankly, well, that's that's a little scary. Courage, though, isn't isn't being without fear. It's being afraid and doing the thing anyway. We know Mary's scared in this story. We know it because the Greek tells us so. She's not sure this is what she meant when she prayed for change. And yet this story doesn't end with Mary running away from God's proclamation. It ends when she tells Gabriel, may it happen to me according to your word. In fact, she says, I am the slave of the Lord. Now, that's that's really powerful language. And the fact that she chose the word slave is, well, I think it's intentional. And I also think that maybe this is the difference between Mary's faith and, and our faith. Mary saw herself not as someone free to say no, but as a slave to God. She chose to submit herself to God's will. And in the first century, Mary would have been incredibly familiar with slavery. It was rampant. She would have known that that a slave did nothing without the permission of their owner. She would have known that that a slave existed to to, to only serve their owner's will. And she would have known that even if that slave was freed in the first century, those slaves never were ever fully freed fully free of their owner's will. But as a devout Jewish woman, she considered herself a slave to God, even in matters that scared the ever-living daylights out of her, because she chose to submit to God's will. Now, God tells us to love our neighbor, and instead we we create fences and walls around who our neighbors are, so we don't have to talk to people that scare us. God, God tells us to give up all that we have to follow God, and we find ways of reframing that all into only some things, so that we never have to feel the fear of not having enough. God God tells us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we make sure that we only see the nice ends, the, the ones that don't lead to places that scare us. God tells us to die to ourselves 
And instead, we create a really nice sanitized story about why we don't need to really die to ourselves in order to serve God. The Christmas story is supposed to lead us to a faith with a hope like Mary's in the face of God's transformation of the world, including God's transformation of us. We don't have to be unafraid. We, we don't even have to think it's a good idea. We just need to know that it's God doing the work and lean into that just like Mary did. If we're being honest, it's, it's so much easier to skip this transformation stuff and, and go all the way to Christmas morning where, where God's already transformed everything and we can just sing joy to the world. But when we do that, it really does affect our faith. Instead of connecting with a deeply personal God, who is doing transformative work in us, even as God is doing transformative work in the world, we find ourselves disconnected from an indifferent God who doesn't listen to what we ask and doesn't change the world according to what we desire. Mary's Annunciation foreshadows the proclamation that God makes in our lives so that Mary's story of courageous hope can be our own story of courageous hope. Change is messy. Change is hard. Change is scary. The good news is that God knows all of that and does it anyway, even while reminding us, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, friends. You have been called by God into a season of transformation. Will you let this Advent transform you so that you can worship more fully, spend less, give more, and love all? Mary said yes so that your answer might also be yes. This Advent, let your answer to God's call be yes. Yes, and always yes. Amen. joining us today for Whenever Worship for our reflection on Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38. Join us next time as we continue to wonder what it means to have a God 